The Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast. We're going back to to back. back. (laughs) Welcome to the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Freddie Rivas, and uh, who are you, sir, that's uh, harmonizing with me? Uh, That would be your producer, Matt Duncan. Freddie, how are you doing? I think I'm doing okay uh, in spite of the situation, but um, let's let's give some folks some much-needed information. If they want to follow us on on our many platforms, how might they do that, Matt? Well, you can go to dunkspodcast.com. We've got all our links there on the right for iTunes and Stitcher oh, yeah. and oh, and yeah. Spotify and Player FM. There's so many ways that you can listen to the podcast. Uh, it subscribes so you don't have to keep checking in. We'll Ooh. just, you know, you'll get sent the episode when it's ready. Talk and, to me. Yeah. And we're also on Instagram and Facebook and even YouTube. If you'd like to watch our episodes with a little sound bar going up and down, you know, I sometimes do a fun wave. I try to change it. <laughs> up every once in a while uh, <laughs> we're just we're just trying to get those hundred thousand subscribers sure you know what i mean yeah and you know if people they want to go above and beyond and they actually want to contribute you know and be let's say an early investor before we you know like are bigger and more powerful than joe rogan uh that would probably be our patreon which you can go to patreon.com slash dunks podcast we also have a link for it on our website but uh yeah if you want to subscribe to that then you'll get some exclusive content you'll get early episodes and you'll help us you know work on the next merch is are those scarves gonna come we don't know we don't know. And, um, and last but not least, if you're, you know, like so many other people right now, uh, not really allowed to leave your home. Correct. Uh, and, but, but hey, you said, hey, I want to wear a toque in here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what might you do? How might you get a toque to, um, to wear inside your house? Because you, you should only be leaving if it's extremely important and well, uh, social distancing as well. You know what? We've got, there are more Confederacy of Dunks toques than there there is toilet paper. So what you want to do is <laughs> pay 20 bucks a head top. You're going to stay inside, put this on and don't worry about it feeling a bit warm in here. That head ain't going to get itchy. These are anti itch toques, my friends. Oh, hello. Yeah. Well, so, well, well, yeah, man, that's uh, that about covers it for the toque. Um, yeah. <laughs> for all the toque stuff. But uh, I think, um, Anyone listening to this podcast uh, might be wondering um, uh, about what we're, what's going on with us. And yeah. um, I mean, I don't know, Matt, we're, we're in the same situation as everyone else. Uh, we are, yeah. I think we're, we're, we're scared, we're, we're curious, we're, we're hopeful, we're, you know, we're trying to deal with the, this, this self-isolation, this social I, distancing. I'm still in... I think like this weird, giddy kind of half denial. Like I'm taking everything seriously about it, but there's like a part of me that like being stuck inside, I'm like, this can't be real, right? Like I can't <laughs> really be in the midst of a pandemic, but yeah. we are. And, you know, we really have to be smart about it. Um, 
you know, just as a reminder to everyone when, you know, everything, when the dominoes really started to drop, the, you know, Raptors played the, uh, the Utah Jazz, and mm-hmm. then two days later, Rudy Gobert was tested positive after he like really made a fool of himself, being like coughing on mics and whatnot. Um, and then Donovan Mitchell got tested to be positive as well. Now the thing with Donovan Mitchell is he had no symptoms, and there's a lot of people that don't. So that's why we're supposed to stay inside because you're just carrying that around, and you're going to get other people sick who can't fight it. So that's, that's the scariest part about it for me is, you know, people thinking they can go to spring break and and go swimming in, you know, Clearwater, Florida, Mm -hmm. but you know, we have to keep this under wraps. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we're in a situation where we got to listen to the the smartest people in the room and the, the doctors and the scientists and be as responsible as we can, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, just from a basketball perspective, I'll I'll be a bit honest here. Basketball is my escape. Um, I love basketball, and it kind of takes me to a place of uh, comfort when I'm experiencing anxiety. And I think you know, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I, I know a lot of uh, basketball fans and Raptors fans. It was kind of the simultaneous thing of like you know, oh, Rudy Gobert has COVID, and then the NBA is canceled, and then you know, all these major kind of international dominoes start to fall. And obviously basketball is not at the center of this story. Yeah. Yeah, This story is so much bigger than basketball. Basketball is just one of many, many, many things that are affected by it. Um, And the things that orbit around basketball are also affected by it, including, you know, podcasters, writers, workers, Mm -hmm. uh, all that sort of thing. So there's just so much to kind of focus on and all that to say, we kind of decided that uh, we thought it would be fun and maybe like mentally healthy for us to uh, to record some podcasts uh, that we, you know, I've been wanting to do for a long time and are not exactly Raptors related. And, um, you know, we'll help us kill some time and we'll hopefully kill, help you kill some time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've during, got... During this period, so... Yeah, we've got a big two-part episode for episode 141. Uh, we do an extensive uh, coaches rankings, you know, 30 all the way to the number one coach. I think it's yeah, really good content. I think you guys did a great job and uh, we're going to release uh, what you're listening to right now is part one and we're going to release part two tomorrow. Well, um, Matt, I just want to thank you for uh, giving me this outlet during this time and uh, being such a sound whiz. uh it's it's good shit honestly and uh we we laughed a bunch in this episode and um i'll say this too uh we don't know how long this is going to go on if anyone has any ideas uh, if they want us to to do uh, a certain type of basketball podcast um yeah uh you know shoot us a tweet shoot us a message let us know and uh we're gonna hopefully pump out some content for everyone and uh i think i think on that note let's uh Let's get this ultimate coach ranking, this two-part episode started, shall we? Sounds good, buddy. Okay, uh, here we are. Let's uh, let's bring on guest uh, number one. Uh, he's one of the best producers uh, in the whole wide world. I usually say he's one of the best producers in the city of Toronto, but... Um, 
I just feel like being a bit hyperbolic right now. Uh, no, he's a hilarious improviser. Um, we, we don't agree on everything basketball-wise, but I feel like we always provoke each other in the right directions. Give it up at home as loud as you can for Matt McCready. Yeah, ready to uh, attack Jacques Vaughn for no real reason. Let's give him yeah. some hell. <laughs> Glad That's to be here. Spirit. <laughs> um, thanks for joining me um, during this. Hey, thanks uh, for having me. Uh, no problem. Um, this is our, this is our, I guess, first pandemic pod. Um, we're doing a giant coach ranking. Um, I know you're into it. Uh, you actually um, did a coach ranking with us, I think maybe like two years ago, two, three years I ago. I think it was two years ago. And one thing I remember about that is that I didn't feel super comfortable with uh, critiquing X's and O's because I've never coached basketball at any level. So I just went with how well people develop players. And since uh, he actively hurt people's development a lot by overplaying them, I put uh, Tibbs, number 30, which everyone thought was crazy at oh, the time. Oh, yeah. now it seems like not such a bad idea. Honestly, Tibbs, if you're listening, no regrets here on the COD <laughs> podcast family. Um, okay, let's, let's bring on guest number two. Uh, he started this damn podcast. He named this podcast, actually. Um, he's going through law school. Uh, he's going through law school at home right now. Uh, he's hilarious. He's amazing. He also has a, uh, a kind of a viral uh, Facebook thing going on right now. He's doing a uh, Sweet 16 of candy bars. <laughs> For some reason, Smarties got in there. They're not a bar, but um, whatever. They made it in the list somehow. It's a pretty big oversight. But anyways, it's a really fun time. If you can somehow not think about the Smarties, which for me, I can't. But uh, give it up at home for Kevin Dowse. Wow, I had to like bite my tongue through all that. Uh, just, you know, just sitting there listening to hear you rail in your narrow minded fashion, Freddie. I didn't think I was going to say anything about the candy bars and I exploded. No, apparently you had it buried for a long time. <laughs> it was a bit repressed. I didn't, I hope you're doing well. I didn't mean to come at you like that, but, um, yeah, the I'm, smart I'm doing great. I lost a friend today, but otherwise doing great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude. Um, I love you. Uh, I love you all actually. And for anyone who's listening, I love all of you as well. Um, Let's uh, let's get going here on this giant coach ranking. Um, I think uh, I'm going to give you guys a, just a quick primer on what I was thinking. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Dunked On uh, podcast uh, network. Uh, obviously, uh, Nate Duncan uh, and Daniel LaRue are some of the best, uh, most kind of detailed podcasters out there. And uh, for a couple years running now, they've done a bunch of kind of huge idea podcasts. One that I really love is... Is, is a mock draft podcast they do. Um, it's, it's, I think it's like three or four episodes. They do a whole offseason and draft the whole league. It's so fun. Um, another one they do is they actually rank all of the coaches. Um, sorry, I think this year it might have been with uh, John Hollinger uh, and, and not uh, Daniel LaRue. Um, and so it was John Hollinger and, and Nate Duncan. And they ranked all the coaches 30 through 1. Um, and it's something we've done before as well. And it's just kind of a fun exercise to do. So what I did was uh, I set up a, a poll 
Um, and shout out to friend of the podcast uh, and guest of the podcast, Andre DePape, who made a much easier poll to fill out. Uh, and um, and we actually got some feedback and uh, we got some contributors. So we have all of the coaches, uh, all of the current coaches in the NBA ranked from uh, 30 to 1. And um, so what, I, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read through some of my criteria and uh, McCready and, um, and, and Douse, Kevin Douse, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys just have a response to my criteria and let me know what you think. Um, and, uh, and then, then we'll kind of get popping. Okay. So uh, first and foremost, um, let me just kind of let, let me read out uh, what I think matters uh, kind of, uh, as far as ranking these coaches, um, sorry, I seem to have kind of like lost my, lost my criteria ranking sheet here. Hold on a second, guys. Um, okay. Got it. Um, so yeah, the first one is kind of like, uh, winning. So the idea there is unambiguous winning. Um, it's not to punish the people who haven't had a chance to win, but I, I feel like winning is the name of the game. So, uh, it's just winning regular season winning and postseason winning. Obviously the postseason winning is ranked higher. Um, the second category I had, uh, was kind of like player development. So this is, you know, obviously a nuanced thing. You're going to have drafting in there. You're going to have player relation, uh, a lot of things kind of come into that, you know, how they are dealing with the situation they're in. Um, and then I, then I have, this is probably the most vague category, but style. Um, so what they're known for, are they a progressive coach? Um, adaptation. So that's, you know, regular season adaptation, in-game adaptation. Obviously, playoff adaptation is the most important there. Um, but fame, uh, you know, like uh, Matt, uh, sorry, McCready referenced a guy like Tom Thibodeau. You know, he was famous for a defense at a time, but then he kind of expired and he got famous for overplaying players. So that's, you know, this is a very, I would say, kind of uh, – um, porous category uh probably the most nuanced and then the uh the last one i have is contextual success you know there's a huge difference between uh you know a coach like a larry brown who would be bringing who would be brought in to you know shape some guys up and and get them to the playoffs and and, and a coach that comes in um like steve kerr who, who you know comes in and this team is fully ready to go, and he, you know, he, he allows it to hit another gear. So there's different jobs within the 30 teams. Uh, I, I think I've kind of monologued enough there, Kevin. I'll I'll go to you first. Do you think there's anything I missed? Uh, you know, or maybe is there any? Is there too much crossover on any of the categories? No, I don't think so. I think the the fame one's interesting because you can be famous for bad reasons, and um. So that was that was sort of an interesting interesting consideration in there, but it's I found it sort of became a useful uh, that and the and the context categories became sort of useful tiebreakers. If I like ranked someone and I was like, oh wait, there's no way those guys are the same, and then I could sort of jimmy around with those. Um, personal uh, disclosure: I was maybe too generous with the wins column. Basically, if you want a chip, you get ten out of ten in my book. Um, so I'm sure that'll come out in the rankings at some point. 
Yeah, I tried to say consistent as I went through the rankings as well, like with my, my own judgment. And and championships was something that was kind of tough, right? Because it's the ultimate achievement. But, you know, how do you weight someone who's won multiple championships versus yeah. someone who's just won one or uh, that sort of thing? Or, or, yeah, obviously a coach that hasn't really had the chance to win a championship. But again, there's a whole kind of continuum of what opportunities do you get as a coach and how dependent is that on how good you are, right? Yeah. Um, and I think the multiples roll over into the other, other categories like development and system. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, I'm going to go to you, McCready. Is there, you know, anything you feel like I didn't consider or yeah, any kind of anything we should know about your ranking? Yeah, I mean, I thought the, the list was good. There were some coaches where I, you know, I just don't know enough about them. And so I would just, uh, you know, uh, give them basically the same mark in every category, you know, mm-hmm. like basically if I, if I wasn't entirely sure about their history and uh, did my, some research and didn't really come to any strong conclusions, I would just be like, okay, cool. Out of like one to 10, how excited would I be if this person was named Raptors coach, assuming Nick Nurse retired or whatever? Right. Um, and so, you know, I would just give them a, a six out of everything out of 10 or a three or a whatever. So I did that with like five coaches, maybe. Um, other than that, I think like maybe a category for best nickname or would have been good, like a nickname <laughs> out of 10. Um, anything that can get, uh, you know, Brad Bred Stevens uh, number one. Is, yeah, uh, totally. What we, I we definitely have to skew this graph towards um, my nemesis a bit more uh, <laughs> in, in the future. Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens. Uh, okay, well, I think without further ado, um, let's get popping here. Uh, Duncan, are, are, are you ready? Do, do you want to play our special sound effect for the worst coach in the NBA? Number 30, <laughs> the lowest ranked coach, and, and this is out of 40, coming in, the only only coach coming in less than 10. With a 9.6, we have just a month and a half into the job, Mike Miller of the New York Knicks. So, Ooh. McCready, I'll go to you first, and, and I'll just ask this. Did you know that Mike Miller was a coach in the NBA before this podcast? <laughs> I did because I thought it was the player Mike Miller when I first saw the name. And so I looked into him and uh, yeah. Um, no, I didn't know. I don't really know much about this guy. I don't really uh, care for him too much. Okay. I feel like he's <laughs> well, okay. Like yeah, an okay job with the Knicks though. I feel like they've done better since he took over. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, I was, uh, this is one of those scenarios. It's so hard to rank. Like I, I looked at his record with the Knicks and, you know, he's lost 10 more games than he's won, but also the Knicks roster is insanely bad. So I, I, I generally skewed towards ranking people pretty low if they haven't proven themselves yet. Uh, yeah. I found people with really short resumes and people with really raw, a uh, really long resume. It's the hardest to rank, um, mm-hmm. but generally I favored experience. Uh, Douse, where where are you at with uh, with Mike Miller, coach of the New York Knicks? Also, also had to look up whether he was Mike Miller, the former player. Sure. Um, so I think that speaks to to him a little bit. Um, for me, you know, it's I was trying to just make sure I separated the coach of the Knicks from the Knicks generally, at least a little bit, because it's so hard to get that, that Knicks stink off of you. 
Um, you know, they've won a couple fun games and RJ's had a couple like big moments. So there's that. But I think just looking at the numbers, he you can't rank this guy terribly high despite even the short window because there's just it's just all bad there. There's just there's just so little to take away from any goodness in that scenario. Well, I think we've been cruel enough to Mike Miller. Um, and uh, I, I don't know how much we need to elaborate on, on Mike Miller. So let's uh, let's head on to the uh, the next pick, Duncan, if you would. <laughs> All right. The, I love the crowd in the background of that. Oh, yeah. The, the crowd in the background. You need the detail, right? Yes. Coming in 29. There's been some post-production crowd sounds for the entire podcast, like we're on a draft floor. Yeah, uh, Duncan, is that okay with you? Like, just just make it seem a little bit more raucous. Oh, sure. Yeah, you want me to just put lots of uh, chatter in the background to really uh, <laughs> sure, <laughs> make, yeah. it, make it like unlistenable. That'd yeah, be... <laughs> just get some wild sounds from like I don't know, like a wave pool or something. <laughs> <laughs> if I need to uh, okay. go to the washroom at any point during the podcast, just say that I'm on a call from a general manager for some breaking news. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> All right, so. I actually um, had this coach uh, as my as my worst coach. Um, coming in at, at number 29, uh, 29th is uh, Jim Boylan with uh, mm. with ten out of forty. So I, I I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll be I'll, I'll lead here. I give Jim Boylan a five out of forty. I just I don't know which category I gave him a two in, but basically every everything I broke down, he was a one. Um, mm. he, he, to me, he's bad at everything there is to be about, um, a coach. He seems out of touch with his players. Doesn't seem like he's progressive in the NBA. I, you know, I understand he had a good college career. Um, you know, he doesn't seem to have the ear of the players. Uh, he hasn't won. Uh, I'll, I'll go to you first, uh, McCready. You have any, you have anything to say on uh, on Boylan? You gave him a seven out of forty. I gave him a seven. I mean, yeah. I don't love him. Um, <laughs> he's the funniest coach in the NBA. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Him calling uh, timeouts with forty seconds left in the game, down eleven, while his players just visibly <laughs> roll their eyes, and the announcing crew makes fun of him. It's like he like one thing you could say about Boylan is that he doesn't give a shit what people think about him. Um, so maybe that's a positive in some sort of way. It could also be a negative in almost every way as well. Um, right. So uh, Boylan, yeah, uh, a bit of a disaster so far. And it's like there's so many young players in Chicago and none of them have really broken out, except you might be able to say that Chris Dunn has broken out as a defender. Um yeah, I mean, it's not like any of the players he got in uh, Chicago were slam dunks, but even a guy like uh, Thad Young, who's come in there and played great for his entire career, well, it's great for his entire career, but has been pretty good for his entire career, has fallen off a bit since joining Chicago. So he, he clearly mm-hmm. doesn't motivate his players at all. So I don't know. Uh, thumbs down. Yeah, I think development is where I gave him a two instead of a one because I, I, I was kind of like, well, Wendell Carter Jr. is something and i mean (laughs) markinen hasn't become barnani i think that's why i mean i probably should have gave him a one uh he's my worst coach in the nba um kevin 
Yeah, I mean, I don't even remember what I scored him, but I hate this guy. Yeah, um, you you gave him a nine, so okay. you're actually generous as hell. Generous, yeah. I think I think all of my scores were actually pretty generous, if I'm recalling correctly. But uh, I mean, like, so the where Boylan gets some points for me, I think I might have given him a little more on the development side because you know, Markinen, like you say, he's not nothing, and uh, and Dunn isn't nothing. Like, there's some young guys there. It's like, okay, these guys are maybe going to be good in a couple of years when they get a new coach. Um, but like he hasn't completely ruined them. Um, but I think I also gave him fame points because he's literally just famous for being such an asshole. Like he's, <laughs> he's, he's gotta be one of the coaches I read about the most because it's like, I can't believe what else he's done. He's in one of my favorite moves of the year when like he's screaming at, uh, at Zach Levine and Zach Levine just like looks at him, looks up at the scoreboard and says, I've got like 40 fucking points. And like, just doesn't care about him at all. So I gave. That's where the fame points for me actually boosted some some people's scores. That's amazing, and I love how you took fame as like if you're famous at all, you get points. Mm, mm. <laughs> um, okay, let's let's move on to number twenty eight, Duncan, if you would. <laughs> Coming in yeah. at ten point two, we got Ryan Saunders. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, Douse, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll lead with you. You got anything to say about uh, Ryan Saunders? Um, again, so this is my, my fame category skewing it. He's got the family fame. Um, there's a bit of that. But uh, generally having a pretty tough time. Like, he, this happens every year in Minnesota where it's like, oh, this team has, like, good players. This could be something. And then it's just never anything. And even after they're a good, fun start to the year, it fell apart. Like, maybe it'll get better with D'Lo and Towns, but... God knows what's happening there. So I wasn't able to really give him much because I just honestly can't see what he's doing, if anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you you gave him a 10. Uh, I gave him a 13. And uh, McCready gave him a 7. And I'm wondering why I didn't rank him lower because I'm, I, you know, I, I, again, he's one of those guys that just really, you know, the winning isn't there. The development doesn't seem to be there. Kind of nothing seems to be there, and and it's hard to tell if it's a if it's all roster. But he's had a bit of time to do some stuff. Um, McCready, anything to say about uh, Saunders? Um, I can't figure out a single great thing he's done. I mean, I I guess like maybe my a, a bit of optimism on this, like we're just slamming Ryan Saunders so bad, is that his shot selection for his team is good. This team's taking a ton of threes. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to the basket. Um, but, uh, you know, there's no one on the team who can really shoot uh, other than Towns. Um, so, I mean, it's tough to do anything in the NBA these days if your team sucks shooting the basketball. Um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, Russell's changed that a little bit. But Russell is such a f- fucking pylon defensively. You can't really do anything with him defensively either. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, uh, you know, he's very young. Maybe he'll get better. But honestly, if he was, uh, if he was announced as a new Raptors coach, I would probably just like sit in my room for a bit. I really like that metric, Matt. I really like that metric of it, how would I feel if he was the Raps coach? It definitely brings it to a personal level where you're kind of like, wait, these are my guys. No, they can't. They can't just coach can't be Saunders. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, just to not totally crap on this guy, I think um, 
with with the start of the season, it seemed okay. Uh, Towns was had a career, you know, a couple weeks, and and Wiggins was maybe potentially turning a corner. And, and I think Towns getting injured, the team never really recovered from that. Then they made the trade, and it was like, it was like something like nine new players. I think really they need a training camp with D'Lo and Towns and some better roster building. But again you kind of have to play the cards you're dealt. So not a ton of sympathy for him, but um, yeah. Oh, let's, uh, let's move on to number 27. Uh, Duncan, if you would. <laughs> that was like the quietest version one. of that. Yeah. That, it's like, the, it, I feel like it's like getting further away from us. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, yeah. Coming in at number 27, uh, 11 out of 40. Let's give some love to Jacques Vaughn. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> the guy we for some reason talked the most about in the preamble before we started recording. Yeah, That's he's right. a bit of a Cinderella getting this high in the in the rankings. Maybe it's because of me. Uh, I gave him a 14. Somebody gave him an 18. Um, oh. But uh, Douse, you gave him a seven, and Matt, you gave him uh, or McCready, you gave him an eight. Uh, McCready, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, he was um, really bad when he coached before, you know, when he was the uh, coach of the uh, Orlando Magic. He was a complete disaster, Mm -hmm. and uh, he hasn't really coached much, um, you know, since then. So um, that's that's where my uh, bad uh, review mostly comes from. But here's an interesting fact about um, Jacques Vaughn, the player, that I found out as I was doing some research. Um, he set the NBA record for consecutive field goals. Uh, sorry, for consecutive field goal misses to open a season. Can you guess between everyone here, the three of you, what that number is? I'm going to say 36. Yeah, I was going to say 30. Uh, Dun- uh, Duncan. Oh, sorry, right. you want me 22. to? You, you're both uh, too pessimistic. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. Um, I mean, 22 shots is a lot of shots. That that is a long time, yeah. I kind of thought maybe he was taking like two or three shots a game and like getting benched a lot. And, you know, so it was one of those scenarios where it's over the course of like three months. The funny thing is, is that that was also the year where he shot a career high from the field, 47% for the season. And that's all I have to say about Jacques Vaughn, the coach. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So he never missed a shot and he never coached a good game after that slump. Yeah. Um, yeah I also kind of just ranked him on, you know, his, the, the biggest part of his resume is Orlando. It's not very good. Um, Kevin, did you say anything about uh, Jacques Vaughn? No, I, I mean, he's, it's pretty much a shrug, right? It's like he was bad in Orlando. He's, not going to be there next year in Brooklyn. So good luck to you. <laughs> good luck to you. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's, let's keep it rolling here. Um, Duncan, if you would give me the cue for the 26th ranked coach. <laughs> Coming in with 14 out of 40, we have Luke Walton. Uh, Kevin, I'll let you. I'll let you begin on Luke Walton. What do you have to say? I'm just starting with a quick. Ugh. Yeah. Um, just don't like this guy in general, you know. Um, but uh, beyond that, if we're looking at basketball stuff, he's seems to be 
getting a ton of credit. This was like a wrong fame score because I don't know, people love him for no reason. Um, and he's like unimaginative and alienating players and calling up poor plays to end games. And it's just, I don't know. I mean, when's his leash end? Yeah. Um, I think that uh, so so me and you both had him with 12 out of 40. McCready had him at four. Someone gave him a 24, and uh, I think really with 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 Luke Walton, what I was kind of looking at, like you know, resume wise, is um, everything in with with the Lakers is really bad, right? Because you have young players, and you know, poor development of those players. Some a couple lost seasons when you think about Russell not handling Kobe well, uh, and Really, it's just the Golden State run when uh, Steve Kerr had the back injury, and I'm kind of I, I I don't think it's the the biggest accomplishment, but I also don't feel like it's nothing. And I think that team sure could have come pretty close to coaching itself, but I, I'm not really one of those people, anyways. Like I, I don't really think LeBron. You know, I've never been a part of the camp where players fully coach themselves. Like, I think high IQ matters. But anyways, yeah, yeah so like, so that's the only well, reason he's, he's not the, the worst coach, coach in, in the, the NBA. last 15 years that's failed with LeBron James as a player on this team. So There's that, too. There's a, that's there's true. Yeah, no, no. The, the Golden State thing to me is, like, I got to, like, you know, sip my coffee. Can you take the wheel on this straight portion of the highway for a minute? Right. Yes. No. And, and I mean, like, that's why I think just the winning perspective, I, I, I'm just kind of defending myself for having him uh, 12 out of 40. Cause I think really he's the worst coach in the NBA, but um, you know, he's has that little small nugget of winning, which in, in, in my opinion, those other guys below him don't have. Um. Cool. McCready, you, you you gave him a four. I'll, I'll let you just go for it and slam Luke. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to. So, like, this is where my um, how excited would I be if this guy was the coach came into effect the most, whereas if, like, Luke Walton was announced as the Raptors head coach, I would stop following the team. Um, you know, uh, he's a creep. Uh, I know it's hasn't really been spoken about so far, but the guy, you know, is uh, assaulted a woman and then uh, left uh, the uh, Los Angeles Lakers and then uh, the Kings because they're the worst run organization and uh, if not the NBA, uh, all of sports, they hired him. Um, way to go, Vladi Divac. Way to pass up on uh, Luka Doncic and sign uh, Luke Walton in the same offseason. Um, yeah, uh, from the X's and O's point of view, when he uh, played the Raptors the other day, they were down three with uh, 10 seconds left and didn't even put Buddy Heald on the floor. The NBA three-point champion, you don't put him on the floor and instead you decide to create an off-the-dribble shot for Nemanja Bialica from three. Like, what the hell are you doing, you idiot? So, yeah, a terrible person, only in the league because of nepotism um, as both a player and a coach. Uh, a complete shitbag of the human being. Four out of forty. Here, here. Love it. Um, Love it. And I think uh, you know this is going to represent, hopefully, a turning point in the podcast because I feel like that's appropriately negative. But um, it's going to get. It's going to slowly get better here as the coaches get better. Uh, but I'm this sorry, next I don't one need to bring it down in these. Uh, oh times, you know? no, not People at all. People should not at all. be dumped on. It's no, no, uh, McCready. I, I hope that 
in no way comes uh, across as any kind of scolding. I, 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 I mean it when I say it's, you know, appropriately, you know, so. Uh, but um, let's uh, let's move on to uh, coach uh, number 25 here. Uh, Duncan, if you will. <laughs> now, to me, when when I when I think about funny coaches, this guy is the one. Uh, so coming in uh, with a score of 15.2 out of 40, we got the all-star, the one and only Jay motherfucking B. Bickerstaff. <laughs> I can't this believe it took guy, so long to get here. What's that? I can't believe it took so long to get to him. <laughs> uh, I know. I'm so proud of the guy. Um, you know, he's 25th. Like, he's on the up and ups. Like, I feel like JB is is Gil from The Simpsons. Like, <laughs> J, JB, like, he, and he's been, but that's the thing. You go over his record and you're like, when he's taken over some teams, like he's done a pretty good job, but he just always like he gets let go shortly after. He's he's um, given a house on fire and like he is. Maybe he saves the living room and they're like, get out of here, man. I know. Oh man. Um, I'm gonna go on JB first. I, I think the thing that impressed me the most, um, and this isn't like a backwards um you know, or a backhanded compliment, but I think that uh, you know he 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 took a he took one game from the Warriors uh, in the 2015-2016 season uh, with the Houston Rockets, which is you know they're nowhere near what they are now. This was before Dan Tony took over the team, and um, and you know he took a game from that team, and that team was one of the most incredible teams we've ever seen, and. The, the JB was thrown into that situation uh, and, and uh, the Rockets finished with a pretty good record under his, uh, his watch as well. So uh, again, we're still at uh, coach number 25 here. So uh, it's not crazy compliments, but um, McCready, I'll go, I'll, I'll go to you on, on JB. You got any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, uh, the, definitely the funniest name out of any coach um, JB Bickerstaff. It sounds like a John Mulaney standup character. Um, yeah, I don't know. Not, uh, not the best, uh, resume out there, but not the worst, to be honest. Uh, you know, he got a lot of flack for, uh, the, like, you know, uh, the Grizzlies last year and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, he, he did a pretty good job with, um, Bruno, you know, he got something out of Bruno. It's the only mm -hmm. coach in the NBA to have done that. And he actually, um, you know, I think he did a good job of Valanchunas. He put up the best numbers of his career when they, had um, Delon right there, so actually someone on that team who could feed the post. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think he's. Uh, it, it, I was like, I'm surprised it took us so long to get here, but it's only because he is such a punching bag. But you know, I think 25 might seem kind of right for him. The, well, the the stat I was most surprised by JB Bickerstaff is that he's only 41. Like I thought he like, wow. he's been around forever. Yeah. How is that even possible? So, anyways, that's yeah. All. And somehow Jack is younger than him. Jack's thirty-five. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jack's no. Yeah, Jack's thirty-five. It's crazy. Um, uh, Kevin, you, you you got any uh, you got anything to tell us about JB Bickerstaff? About poor old JB Bickerstaff. I mean, <laughs> what can you say about this guy? He's he has he's like taken the most lumps of any coach because he always he's always interim coach for one thing. Um, he very rarely gets to go a full a full go round with a team. Um, you know, people seem to like him. People seem to want to play for him. Um, I don't know if he's ever coached 
a team that was particularly great at all. Um, and I don't know how much of that is his fault, but like we haven't heard about a locker room brawl in Cleveland this season. And I feel like part of that has to go to him. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it sure, you know, it's, it sure I think wasn't. Saul hate playing for him. Am I wrong? Or is no, well, maybe or that was, was that just Fizdale. That was Fizdale. Yeah. Oh, that was Fizdale. Okay. Okay. My bad. And that was a weird one. Yeah. Um, well, JB, uh, I hope at one point you can save up and get um, your own car and you don't have to drive these lemons around. Uh, and, you know, I just hope for the best for JB. But uh, let's let's move on to coach, uh, the coach number 24 on our list. Duncan, would you give me the, uh, the beautiful NBA sting? <laughs> I love that you have to keep calling for it. Oh, you I'm make my job. Time, you make my job so easy here. I don't even have to try to fit it in. Hey, you know, drop it right uh, here. Oh, I thought you were going to drop it. Again. Oh no, um, <laughs> uh, no, it's good you did. It's good you did. Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, coming in at number twenty-four, fifteen point six out of forty. We have a, a, a very famous coach. Um, uh, I'm sure everyone knew his resume uh, off by heart. Lloyd Pierce. Um, McCready, I'll, I'll let you start on Lloyd Pierce. What do you got? I can't believe you referred to him as very famous coach Lloyd Pierce. Is, are you being sarcastic? Yes. Yeah, he was. Uh, oh, okay. okay. I thought he was <laughs> potentially the least known coach on this list besides Mike Miller. Um, I, did, I honestly just didn't know if I was like being like if, if Lloyd Pierce was uh, very popular. I mean, I don't know. Like, um, I mean, hmm, the, Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks, you know, how it's such a weird mixed bag. Like, is you, yeah. you could look at that team and be like, look what he's got out of Trey Young. You know, he's like that guy. Like, looks like, um, you know, like obviously he is the worst defensive player possibly in the entire NBA with no hyperbole. But he's like also one of like maybe the top six or seven most uh, impactful offensive players in the NBA. Right. Which is ob- obviously. Uh, such a floor-raising type of thing, and the team is complete garbage without him. And you can't blame him for the fact that their general manager didn't give him a second point guard um, on the roster for the entire year because, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Teague washed up, um, you know, Tide spokesman Jeff Teague uh, <laughs> was uh, a, such a big uh, jump up from their previous point guard duties that they had there. So, I mean, if, if we've seen anything from the Raptors, when you don't have a good point guard out there, it's tough to do anything. Um, this season with all the injuries they've had. Um, so I don't know. I think he's like, okay, that's, that's my general view of him. Yeah. Me and you both had him at 17. So I, I, I feel like my, my logic is the same as you, you know, w- with guys like Cam Reddish and Deandre Hunter and, um, and Trey young. And obviously they just got Capella and they already have Collins. I think this team just needs time. And Lloyd Pierce, we just haven't seen it yet. So, I, I, yeah, I, I'm totally with you. It seems like the makings of something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, me and you both gave him 17. Uh, Dallas, Reddish you, seems to be looking better as the season goes on. There's something, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Kevin, I feel like maybe maybe you, you got a little less love for Lloyd Pierce. You gave him 11. Why did I do good? Did I rank him that low? You did. That's my, my don't, I don't feel towards him that lowly. Um, but I, I think, I mean, record is just how can you, how can you look at his record and really rank him super high, but his right. player development's great. I honestly feel like Atlanta is 
at least having fun, if not always fun to watch, although they're fun to watch sometimes, you know, point. he's managing to handle development while also letting Vince Carter play too, which is, I think really nice. Um, it's nice for him in his retirement season. Um, and I think I agree with you guys that, you know, the cupboard is the cupboard stocked for the future and we'll see what he can do with it. It's maybe still a little bit early and, and there's just still some missing pieces that you can't run a coherent full game of basketball with this team yet. Um, so we'll see what it looks like over the coming years. Like if, if it starts to be repeated losing seasons, then I think we're going to see a little bit more. Okay. He has good players, but he's not doing anything with them kind of situation. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty fair. Uh, let's let's move on to coach. One, one quick thing, uh, oh, sorry. Freddie. Sorry, yeah. um, I just, I'm bringing this up. This has nothing to do with anything. But do either of you know what the JB and JB Bickerstaff stands for? Just balling, I think. I <laughs> know. <laughs> I I don't know. Do, do, do you Shout know? out to uh, local Toronto comedian John Blair. John Blair Bickerstaff. Yeah, really? It's yeah. John Blair. Wow. I am not joking. It's John Blair. Oh, wait, are you serious? Yeah, I'm 100% oh not joking. Oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> I just thought you made a funnier joke than I did. Um, no, no. It's uh, wow. exactly what it is. That's, no that's incredible. And, and you know what? Since we're here, shout out to Toronto Improviser, who's not a big basketball fan, uh, so this isn't as big of a deal to them, but uh, Chris Middleton. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I, the first time I told them that they share a name with an NBA star, they said, oh, but to <laughs> me, you know, it's a much bigger deal. Yeah, uh, I tell okay. them that all the time. You got it, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, th- this one's going to be fun. I think this is our biggest split so far uh, as far as uh, all three of us kind of uh, have some some different takes. Um, Duncan, would you hit me with the, uh, with the uh, beautiful cue? There's something about this relationship between me and Duncan. I I, I don't know. I, it's it's both beautiful and haunting. Uh, okay. Um, we'll start. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll start with uh with number twenty third ranked coach Monty Williams, who's coming in at eighteen point six, uh, because it looks like I had him the highest. Um, and wh- where was he? Yeah. So I had uh Monty Williams. Um, no, I'm sorry. Uh. Kevin actually had him higher than me. So, so Kevin, you have Monty Williams with a 22 out of 40. Uh, talk to me. Um, well, the thing about this is that I forget where Monty Williams coaches. Um, so you're going to have to refresh me real quick here. Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns, uh, but he God. also, he coached, he coached the, uh, yeah, the he coached the, he coached the Pels for a while, yeah. which is what always messes me up. Um, no, he's just sort of a very middle-of-the-road coach. Like, um, Booker's good, and Baines had this weird breakout year, and he handled Aiton being injured and all that kind of stuff. And the Suns are, like, not as bad as they've been. But he also doesn't have a ton to work with, and he's having players be injured and suspended and all this stuff all over the place. Now he's dealing with Ubre being out. Um, so I just sort of gave him some love, I think, in terms of juggling with constantly shifting circumstances, which was part of his tenure in New Orleans, too. You know, just like he sort of hasn't had a solid, firm footing to stand on at any point in his career. Yeah, totally. He he reminds me of kind of like a like a like a Dwayne Casey before he got the Toronto job for a long time. Yes. You know, someone who's yeah, maybe totally. had little fits and starts. 
but you know, hasn't had like a long contract, hasn't really had job security in a meaningful way. And then also hasn't really had, you know, major players to work with. Um, I mean, he had, into- uh, didn't he have Davis um, in new Orleans? Uh, he did. Yeah. He said, so uh, sorry, that's, that's actually a good point. He did have Davis. Um, and he was their coach and- for five years. Yeah, five so years his, with Davis or five years during like uh, five years in general. I believe yeah. he's probably started with he started in 2010. So was that Chris Paul yeah. year maybe? Yeah. And he he went to 2015. So he was basically a part of a rebuilding era. And then when you know that 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 famous time when Davis first made it to, to um, the eighth seed. Yeah, and they got swept by the Warriors. Um, again, you know, pretty ridiculous 14-15 Warriors team. But uh, and a couple of those games were pretty close. Yeah, yeah, his playoff record's two and eight. Um, yeah, not great. Yeah, yeah, you you had him as uh, as as the lowest among us three uh, with seventeen out of forty, uh, or sorry, fi- I had him at seventeen out of forty. You had a fifteen out of forty, uh, McCready. So you, are you just kind of like you know he hasn't proven proven himself? Um, I don't think he's necessarily like hasn't proven. I think he's got like a pretty long resume. Um, you know, he's got. 400 games coaching in the NBA. I just feel like if, like, this is kind of like a guy to me, like if he got hired as the Raptors coach, I'd be like, uh, all right. You know, I'd be like, okay with it. But I'd also be like, they're like, I just don't think he's like going to innovate the world. I think, yeah, I think comparing him to Dwayne Casey is a good call. That's all. That's all I have to say about him. Fair enough. Um, okay. Uh, let's move on to coach. Uh, where, where are we now? Um, pardon me. Um, we are coach do 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 20 uh, 22 22 on the list duncan would you give it to me james borrego coming in with 19.2 out of 40 uh, so um, I, I gave James Brago the the highest uh, on, on on the list i i guess i just feel like he's making the most of his situation and I don't know, maybe I didn't punish him enough for not winning, but I, I like, uh, um, PJ Washington. Um, I, you know, I kind of think he did it. He's doing a good job with Rozier, uh, this year. And, um, I also feel like, uh, you know, if, if you're judging someone on situation, it's hard to think of a worse GM than Michael Jordan or a worse <laughs> owner than, than Michael Jordan. And I think that uh, it's Michael, easier to think of a worse owner than Michael Jordan, but I'll, I'll with James Dolan out there. But oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's that's true. Uh, you can't ever forget about Dolan. But 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 Michael Jordan is his own specific brand of bad and 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 <laughs> cheap as well with not paying Kemba and you know just oh. not putting your team in a good situation to win. So I feel like Borrego's done okay. Uh, let's go to let's go to you, uh, Kev. You, you you gave him an 18. Out of four. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of Borrego. He's uh, he's he's got like he's got some good things going. Graham is definitely promising. Um, they play hard defense. They're in every game. They're super duper scrappy. This it sort of gives me vibes of Casey's like first season with the Raptors, where we were just god awful, but it was more fun to watch for the first time in forever. Um, I feel like that's a, a real positive sign for Charlotte because even with Kemba. The last couple of years, Charlotte wasn't a particularly fun watch. Um, and I feel like that's turning around. I feel like there's some life in the franchise and, uh, and it is, it's a tough, it's a tough 
road when you've got Jordan as your owner who thinks they're right all of the time and you know you're going to get blamed for every bump in the road. Um, so you got to you got to like sort of have that looking over your shoulder while you're trying to maintain um, some sort of sense of authority, I guess, but also winning over your players and developing a good system. All good points. Uh, McCready, I think uh, you, you know, you, you had them a little bit lower than asked to. Um, yeah. Uh, first of all, did you guys know that the JB and James Borrego stands for John Blair? Um, secondly, uh, the, <laughs> Uh, Charlotte, uh, I mean, like, I don't know, like the, the Hornets seem like they might have been able to make the playoffs last year, but they um, didn't, you know, and that's kind of like where I'm at. Like, you know, to make, to make the playoffs in the East isn't exactly a mar- monumental task. Um, you know, Kemba's done really well in, uh, in Boston. He's really contributed to winning there. Um, they've been they were really bad without him. And like they had him last year in Charlotte and they couldn't do anything really with him. And yeah, their roster isn't that great this year at all. And um, so I don't know. I think he's okay, but I don't. I don't feel super highly for him either way. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, number twenty-one on the list. Duncan, would you give it to me? <laughs> uh, he's coached for a couple teams. He's a hard-nosed guy. He got uh, smashed by Nick Nurse in the Raptors in round one. We got Steve Clifford uh, coming in. Yeah, you know, we were good. Um, 20.8 out of 40. Uh, Let's start with you, McCready. What do you think about Clifford? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, I feel like Cliff, I'd like to see Clifford with a team that rocks, you know? Because he's mm-hmm. always had these, like, super flawed rosters. He's been in the league for a while, you know. You obviously coached um, the Bobcats forever and had, like, a mix of success there. You know, like, in the, he had, they, I mean, one of those Bobcat teams won 48 games. Yeah, he, is, I, th- I think that was the year where it was like, oh, with Batum, and it's like maybe they're putting it together. Mm-hmm, totally. Um, but they never got past the first round in any of the years that he was there. Um Clearly, like, he can get a team to compete defensively. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, and I mean, I think I think he had a pretty good... Like, obviously, he was so outrageously outgunned in that um, uh, Magic Rap series last year. And the Raps did beat them in five, but, I mean, you know, they obviously won that first game. And uh, if Kawhi Leonard didn't go insane in a couple of those games, because he was fucking amazing in that series, um, then you, mm-hmm. who knows? Like the Raptors maybe would have lost. Uh, maybe that game, that series could have gone even uh, six or seven. Uh, so I don't know. You know, like uh, this is this is the part of the list because pretty much for the next seven or eight guys, they're gonna be like, I don't know, they're okay, and here we go again. Clifford, pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, we're definitely we're 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 kind of merging out of the uh, like not enough experience territory, and we're merging into the mixed bag, uh, yeah. mixed bag category. Um, yeah, I'm. I feel like Clifford, you know, was similar to Borrego, and kind of like there's something there. The guy clearly has talent, but there's been like fits and starts, and he hasn't really put himself on the map in like any meaningful way. But at the same time. 
He's had a couple different jobs. So, you know, I mean, maybe he's just a really good interview, but I think, you know, he probably has some good basketball ideas and it just kind of hasn't been able to like sink in. Um, Kevin, what do you got on, uh, on Steve Clifford? Yeah, I think I agree with what you're saying. I mean, like I haven't, I haven't seen him with a full complement of a healthy team with like a bunch of weapons. There's a couple of his Charlotte teams should have been close, but I feel like Batum who was like such a necessary glue guy in that system was always like hurt, not playing at hundred percent, that kind of a thing. Um, but you know, he took a, he took an Orlando team with basically no offensive weapons. And I mean, Vucci obviously is great, but like not, I mean, Vucci not, was considered no, garbage before Clifford got there, you know, like people are also like, very true. Yeah. Have to have to dump, you know, and that same with, yeah. uh, who is their point guard? Uh, the little guy who won the, he hit the shot to win. Um, Augustine, Augustine. Yeah. I mean, he was considered, you know, pretty trash up until that point too. And they, he, yeah, those absolutely. were his like two best offensive players, you know, on that team. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, maybe I should have had him a little bit higher. I don't know. And I mean, yeah, you look at that team to like close out the year. They went on, they went, they had the best record to close out the season besides the Raps, I think. And then they took, they took the team that destroyed the Golden State Warriors and ruined their franchise for a season. They took that team to five games. Um, So, you know, that's, uh, that's saying something. And, you know, in fairness to, uh, to Clifford as well, um, I think losing Isaac this year was a pretty big blow to an emerging uh, magic team. Like, you know, Isaac was a yeah, candidate. Isaac for, rocks. Yeah. Like he's that. awesome. You know, you, you know, yeah, he's you know, great. He's great. And I think even though Pascal kind of like pushed through, Isaac did do a pretty good job on him and, and, and kind of like McCready was saying in that, in that magic series, or I guess like, kind of like you're both saying uh, it's not, you know, I don't think the magic could have won the series, but Kyle Lowry and I think it's game three has that really important late game, like poke rebound. Um, Cause the, the magic stormed back. Uh, so I think, um, I think Cl- Clifford's got some gumption. Uh, so Maddie, if you could give me that sting for our 20th ranked coach. Coming in at number 20, is Taylor Jenkins, head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, so he basically, he's just has this year, uh, which is pretty impressive. But um, I don't know. He, uh, like, I'll start with you, uh, Kevin. What do you have to say about Taylor Jenkins? Yeah, I mean, this this is a case where the recency can help you. It's, it's, uh, it's a pretty limited sample size, but what a fun sample size. Like, he gets to piggyback a little bit on Jaws highlights and on the Grizzlies still being in that eighth seed. Um, so it's all pretty unlikely. Um, you know, a lot of unknowns coming into this season. Like what are these young guys and rookies going to do? We've got these old vets that like have never quite had to be veterans yet. Like, you know, JV is that vet status now, but this is sort of the first time he's in that position. Um, and you've got to deal with the whole Iguodala headache too, um, dealing with that to start for like, a way longer period of the season than I would have expected. That's um, a good point. And, uh, and yeah, I thought he just, he just kept everyone pretty focused and everyone seems to be enjoying basketball. And especially when the whole franchise and fan base and everyone, I'm sure thought this was going to be a much longer rebuilding process uh, for them to be an eight seed. Like even if they don't make it, it's, it's just a great place to be starting from. Yeah. And I think, you know, when a coach starts, 
that well it's super promising with a young core and and you know so many pieces and memphis i I think you you hit a huge point there just there they as an organization their decision making is so sound and he, he seems like a really good coach and and i think the recency did help him it would have been nice to see him coach a playoff series you know if memphis made it obviously they'd be coaching against the lakers and you know you got to contextually judge that but uh yeah, McCready, how do you feel about uh, Taylor Jenkins, Memphis Grizzlies head coach? I kind of, like, when it, if I went from the, um, would I be excited if he took the Raptors job um, point mm-hmm. of view, I'd be very excited for Taylor Jenkins. Um, yeah. You know, uh, first coach on our list who is younger than me, uh, making me feel very um, like a loser. Sure. Um, uh, you know, he was, uh, the, um, assistant for, uh, bud for five years, you know, and then, uh, with the, uh, Hawks and then again with the bucks last year. Um, I love guys that like just fucking grind their asses off to become head coaches and aren't like the son of somebody. And then they just like become a coach. Right. Um, I feel like that uh, that that kind of means something to me. Um, you know, he's uh, 35 and he's already won the Western Conf- Conference Coach of the Month. Um, I think like nearly every single person in um, Memphis is overachieving. Um, you could say that Valanciunas is underachieving a little bit, but he's really just not that much of a focal point in what kind of offense they're trying to run over there. Um, I guess Bruno, you might be able to throw on that, but I mean, he, he's also just, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, real, I'd be pretty excited if he was a coach for the team. Me too. Yeah. Uh, Taylor, cheers to Taylor Jenkins, everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally. All right, let's, uh, let's um, move if on. I had to cast him in a sitcom, Sorry. he would be like, uh, the best friend of our main character. He'd come in mm-hmm. and say like, hi to the King of Kensington or whatever. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> Hi to the King, King of Kensington. Kensington. Nothing like just a good, you know, friendly archetype person who's like, hey, I've this- deci- I've, I decided that, like, since I don't have a lot to say about these middle coaches, I'm just going to say, like, how I would cast them. And Steve Clifford, I would cast as, like, a corrupt cop who's, like, nearing retirement and really has to make some decisions on whether this next thing he has to do is too. Corrupt from he decides not to. He decides to become a good cop. Oh, Steve oh, Clifford nice. is is full. Like you know how the, there's that book of like oh the, you know the the what what's it called the um oh I'm messing I'm messing this analogy up already so hard. But the uh, what's what's the what's the very famous like story where there's a wolf that blows down houses? Three little pigs. A big bad wolf. <laughs> yes, there, there's a story from the wolf's perspective. Oh. Keep keep following me. If they did a story of Elmer Fudd's perspective, it could be Clifford. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Let's move on to the next coach. I might be sobbing over here, Fred. Uh, okay. Duncan, could you give me the sting for coach number 19? Very interesting track record because uh, he was part of an experiment. Um, We got Brett Brown coming in here with uh, 23 out of 40, part of the process. Obviously, you know, lots of losing, um, lots of uh, winning in the past couple of years, uh, not so much in the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, I'll start with you. um, I'll start with you, McCready. How do you feel about Brett Brown? 
Um, I think Brett Brown. Uh, I mean, to use the uh, um, what's it called uh, Dwayne Casey kind of seems a little Dwayne Casey ish here. Um, it's hard to say because, like, obviously he took the Raptors to the absolute limit last year. Um, you know, but I, I, they also lost the year before against that Boston team that I, they probably should have beat. Right. Um, so, um, like, you know, you, I kind of consider the playoffs maybe to be a wash, if not trending a little bit negative uh, there. Obviously, he has some of the absolute worst records in the history of the NBA. Um, for three years, the most he had was 19 wins, and he went 10-72 in 72, uh, one year. Yeah. And, you know, like, you could say, like, well, they were tanking, but after a while, they could still try to win games and still be by far the worst, so they were just losing a lot of those games as well. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, he's like, it doesn't seem like he's a great coach. Yeah. I think for me, like we all actually had pretty similar scores on this one. Um, but it, it seemed like the trend line is like, you know, Kevin's a little bit higher than me and I'm a bit higher than, than McCready, but, um, we're pretty close here. You know, I, I, I but sorry for this one, I had 24, uh, Kevin at 23 and McCready at 21. Um, I thought he came in a little bit low on this list because I really think that although the losing accumulated, and I agree with all of your, your criticisms about him, McCready, um, but I think what happened in Philly with the process, with the losing, was particularly unique. Like, I think Hinky kneecapped that team so hard. Anytime there was any momentum, he would trade somebody. Like he just, he didn't let, you know, what's happening in Memphis right now, there's none of that in Philly. Like he didn't mess around. He was like, hey, hey, no momentum here for three solid years. That's what I'm doing. I'm accumulating picks. If anyone has one good game, I'm going to trade them for a second round pick. So I think for Brown to have to coach throughout that, I mean, whatever, I guess his record is his record. But uh, yeah, Kev, where, where are you? Uh, where are you with Brett Brown? Yeah, I think, I think it's sort of an interesting case with the, with the process because I think for so long, everyone was so afraid that he was going to get fired for being the coach during the process. And so I feel like a lot of analysts who are a lot of former coaches were like, really sort of beefing him up. He's like, this guy is a good coach. Trust me, when he has a team, he's a good coach. And I feel like he had this reputation before he had even done anything. Um, and now, like, he's had some really talented teams the last couple of years. Um, like, there's a lot of talent on these Sixers teams. And I agree with Matt. The fact that they didn't beat Boston two years ago was like, what, how? Honestly, like he should, he probably should have. I guess uh, maybe I'm dumping too hard on Boston. They were a good team that year, but I think I think they were Philly so was, injured though in yeah. that series. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, you could make the counter argument being that Philly was very young, their best. True, really. true, true. Although That's true. Redick, it was a solid bet, so I don't know. Yeah, um, and you know, it's like maybe if it had gone to overtime in Game Seven, like we'd be talking a different story right now. But uh, and they would have been in the conference finals. But I, I don't, I don't know about that. But I think that uh, also there's a like the fact that Simmons can't shoot and won't shoot is like at a certain point you need to figure out a way that that works somehow as a coach. And I know it's like a tough handicap and maybe I'm being, maybe I'm being tough on him because Philly is sort of a rival, but I feel like that's, like you got to figure out something more to do than just like 
shrug your shoulders about that. Yeah, you know, I'm, if I I'm, uh, had to cast uh, Brett Brown in a com- in a commercial, um, it would be this dad. He's got his daughter. Uh, they're packing all the stuff. It's all it's all voiceless. You know, there's no voices in this commercial. They're filling up the uh, minivan. There's a lot of stuff, but it all fits in the van. And he drives her to her, her residence, and you know she gets out. They unpack the stuff, and they give like a nice hug and a goodbye. And he gets back in the car, and he drives away. And it's kind of like a little bit dusky. And he just gets a smile on his face of like a job well done. And then it's like, uh, it says like GMC at the end, you know, that is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. This, this next coach is a, is a solid one <laughs> because it by far has the most disparity. Uh, so uh, I'm McCready. I'm going to be going to you first, um, but let's, uh, let, let's, Let's give him the same ado we give everyone else. Uh, coming in at number 18, Duncan, would you give me the sting? So ranked uh, or uh, with 24 out of 40, um, we got Scott Brooks. So I'm going straight to you, McCready. You gave Scott Brooks an 8 out of 40. So I'm, I'm just going to let you go even because that. Kevin, Kevin gave him a 28 and I gave him a 25. Um, and yeah, there's no other score that's even less than 20, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, the floor is all yours, man. I don't know, man. Like it's also just a game who cares, but yeah, I know. But what team ever, uh, what team has he ever coached that overachieved, you know, like, Maybe that first year in like uh, where uh, Oklahoma City went on like the run to the uh, conference finals, but like he had like, you know, he had Durant, he had Durant, Harden, Westbrook on the same team. They never won a championship. And Ibaka on the same team, like the perfect number four guy for those three guys. Never won a championship. Um, you know, uh, you know, he did okay in Washington that first year, you know, when he went when he went to the conference semifinals. But, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I just don't – I don't see it, man. Like, his winning percentage in the playoffs is, like, 52%. And, uh, you know, a pretty big sample size. With a team that he had, like, I don't know. I don't think it cut, uh, cuts it, man. Yeah, I mean, p- part of my logic with Scott Brooks was that I think 52% winning percentage in the playoffs is kind of, like, okay, considering how – it's it's always trending towards losing more games than you win, you know, because it's kind of like that, like a elimination sort of vibe. And I also feel like he had a lot of difficult personalities to deal with in Oklahoma, and you know, I, I don't less so with Harden, but I really do think that he kind of produced two MVPs. Um, and you know, Ibaka and obviously that's really good draft for drafting with Presti, but he had these guys from, from early ages. So I feel like the development is where I give him most of my points. Uh, think, but as far as the Oklahoma city, uh, thunder would have won a championship if he didn't rely on playing Kendrick Perkins so much. Uh, or if I he ever staggered, um, Durant and Westbrook instead of only ever playing them at the same time. I think the staggering, I would penalize him for more because the Perkins thing, I would say, is largely era-specific. You know, the idea of playing five out like wasn't really... I mean, Van Gundy was doing... Some people were doing certain things, but I think the, the going logic was that you needed two bruising bigs. And Perkins, you know, had had success with Celtics and, and um, 
you know, you know, he was one. It seemed like I remember when that trade happened. It, it was very quickly. It went from like, oh man, they got Perkins, awesome, to to like, oh man, Perkins looks like he runs with army boots on, <laughs> like he's just so. It's hard for him to move, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Where, where are you at with um with Scott Brooks, Kevin? Um, so I, you know, you got to give him some points for that final run. It was a young team. Um, they definitely had that upstart feel to them. Uh, and I think I agree with you on development. Like there are four players that came out of that system that were like incredible players. Um, but part of that, uh, related to that is, um, sort of in his defense is that it must be impossible to manage that many guys who know they're that good. Like you have three, Harden wasn't quite there at the time, but you have three MVPs on your team. And like you're telling them all to like relax and they haven't mm-hmm. had their superstar contracts yet. It's kind of like, I don't think any of those guys were able to turn off the part of their mind where they're like, I got to look out for my entire career here. Right. Um, you know, you can't always get count on that from a, from a young guy who hasn't gotten their payday, who hasn't established that they are a household name all that stuff. And you can go, you can go forward as like, Oh, we're that team. But I mean, ask the Hawks how that goes. Uh, like I, 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 I maybe a counter argument to that. And I, I think that's a good, really good point, but uh, like Harden's a head case to a certain extent as a player. Uh, Westbrook's a head case to a certain extent as a player. Um, Durant is uh Baca is not, but they all came out of the same system. And that was a system that Scott Brooks uh, implemented. Like, what was he, why, why are all the stars that come out of, um, uh, you know, uh, that's, that program, why do they all have that sense of entitlement or um, lack of team commitment? That's interesting. Yeah, I would say that's fair. I, you know, and, and I, I would also say to, to that point, McCready, there hasn't, it's not like he's uh, pumped out the role players either. Um, so it's not like he has a whole breadth of different talent. Uh, I guess for me too, um, just as like a throwing a bone to, to Brooks is, uh, is them beating San Antonio, uh, and, uh, in, in the playoffs and also taking golden state, um, to seven, uh, obviously the pre Durant, uh, golden state, those are just two of the, two of the most impressive series I've ever seen coached. So I think he's just associated with those series to me, like out coaching Pop, and and almost out coaching Kerr. I think is pretty, is a pretty, yeah, pretty big big you know notch on your belt. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, I think he's fairly appropriately ranked. Let's move on to uh, number seventeen, Maddie. Would you give me the uh, the beautiful sting? McCready, let's go uh, with you on this one first. Um, right. This guy's good. Uh, I, I think he was a fun person to judge for me because he's been through so many different eras. He's also been an assistant a lot. But um, Alvin Gentry, uh, number 17, uh, coming in with a 24.2. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, if there is a disciple in the league of Mike D'Antoni, it would probably be like Alvin Gentry, you know? Um you know, uh, you know, yeah, he worked under Larry Brown. He worked at, worked under a few other different people. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to go with He was the, also part of the Warriors teams. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Steve, I mean. Steve Kerr's main guy, right? 
Yep, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, he's been out of the Warriors since uh, 2015, but I mean, he was there, kind of getting things going. Uh, mm. You know, as the NBA, he did win a championship there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think he's a, I think he's okay, but I mean, I don't know. It's not like I. I felt like he's done an okay job with the Pelicans this year, but I also feel like the Pelicans kind of underachieved this year. Like they had a lot of depth and sure losing, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Zion for most of the year is very, uh, challenging. But, uh, if you look at like the depth of that team under positions, it's pretty good. I guess center is a little bit weak. Um, but I don't know. I think he's okay. I don't really have too many, um, uh, uh, things to say about Alvin Gentry. And if I had to cast him as something, um, he'd be like a boss with a heart of gold in the office. Ha! He really would. Um, he does give off that vibe of just being a good guy to work for. I mean, that's pretty much all a coach is, so maybe that's like some of the easiest casting I've done so far, but I'll keep it up. Probably that. important. Uh, for, yeah, for, uh, I'll say with Alvin Gentry, I feel like he's one of those guys that um, he's come close to fully implementing his ideas, but also it's you know his experience has largely had to you know he's had to tailor his teams around big time personalities who are kind of like bigger than who he is and you know he hasn't had like a D'Antoni Nash thing or or a Kerr um you know you know a Kerr Curry type thing I, I think AD he didn't quite have that with him and and Zion's another chance but uh, he, I think he's one of those people where the, if his fortunes changed a little bit, he could be a championship coach and we would talk about him very differently. Um, yeah, I mean, he didn't have a D'Antoni Nash thing, but he had a Gentry Nash thing. Like that Suns team that lost to the Lakers in the conference finals, that was like, that could have been a championship team right there. If, for if sure, no. A little better for them. Was that, he, was, that was with Gentry? Yeah. yeah, he coached the Suns for four years. So, I mean, it was like right before the rebuild. So if everyone, I don't know if people remember like when uh, Goran Dragic's coming out party, that was all Alvin Gentry. Um, it was kind of like when like when D'Antoni left the Suns, I think right around the time that, I think maybe they lost Stoudemire as well. But Yeah, um, it was when the ownership in the Suns was like, I'm not spending any money on anyone being any good. Yeah, and exactly. Gentry was like, fine, we'll, we'll make do. And, uh, I love owners that come in when a team is super successful and just destroy it immediately. Like Fertitta, oh, so Fertitta or whatever his name is, like doing the exact same thing with the uh, Rockets. Is it the Rockets guy? Yeah. yeah. Oh, baby. You know, ruining a good thing. Actually, you know what? This guy, okay, that's a perfect segue because this guy, I, I thought for sure did not have a chance in hell, but this season has been so incredible. Um, Maddie, will you give me the sting for number 16? He's coached on a couple different teams, but uh, he's coaching on one of the best teams in the NBA right now. Kevin Douse, what do you think about 27 out of 40? Frank Vogel. I love Frank Vogel. Those, like, I mean, those two runs with the Pacers were masterful. Paul George becoming a superstar under his watch, giving the Raptors some scares in that in that first round series where Paul George went supernova on us. Um, I'm really, I'm really happy that he's that he's making some hay in LA. I was pretty concerned when he was hired and Jason Kidd was his assistant that like if things didn't go well in the first month, he was going to be fired. 
Um, but, uh, you know, he's definitely, it's so funny because he revolutionized defense for like a season before our big men were obsolete. Um, which I thought was hilarious. Like the whole principle of verticality thing was just stifling and then immediately meaningless. But that's kind of an interesting observation considering how <laughs> big LA is playing right now and how effective it is. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I think for I think for me, before I throw it to you, McCready, I, I'll just say that um Vogel's one of those guys I think was who was really hurt by his like his job in between jobs. Uh, you know, if he just had what, what happened with the Pacers, I think he would be viewed with, with like a much, much higher um, kind of like in much higher regard, but obviously, you know, he took that, he took the magic job and um, it wasn't great there. I don't think. And he, you know, a lot of players went through there that I feel like the magic didn't really recognize uh, were talented like Oladipo and, um, Sabonis, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they might have even traded Tobias Harris on his watch. So, I mean, it's all again. It's hard to tell how bad the ownership is or whatever. But um, again, he's doing great with the Lakers and with LeBron. People are always going to attribute, I think, less to LeBron's coaches. Fair or not fair, but um, that is what it is, right? He's doing very, very good. Um, McCready, what what do you have to say about uh, Frank Vogel? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like again, like huge mixed bag. I think he kind of nailed it a little bit. Um, uh, Freddie, like uh, he's if the the Orlando thing hurts them for me for sure. I feel like if the only job he ever had was with Orlando, he would never get hired again. Yeah, uh, totally. He went, like fifty four and one hundred and ten. You know, like that's that's pretty bad. And like those teams, like you know, people were like, these teams could be frisky. You know, mm-hmm. that's the mentality. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, he's doing a good job with the Lakers kind of small sample size. If you had me ask me, um, having Davis and James on the same team, both incredibly and surprisingly healthy throughout the entire year. Yeah. It's pretty um, tough to mess that up. Pretty, pretty hard to kind of mess that up. And, you know, he's got Danny green. who's like the perfect third, um, complimentary player. Um, there uh, don't have too much to say about Vogel other than there's a French photojournalist named Franck Vogel, um, Rogel maybe, um, and that they have nearly the same name except uh, there is a C <laughs> in Franck. Is this? You know what? It is real, isn't it? I was gonna, I was gonna guess. Like that's not real, but it is. That real, is real. It? That is real. You you got um, some good in between real and fake stuff. I gotta say, <laughs> um, if I had to cast uh, Frank Vogel, he again I'm gonna go back to an office space type of thing, and he's kind of like a uh, a Toby type in the office, you know, just like a, a tertiary at best character who makes appearances every once in a while and isn't particularly liked by um, uh, the main character, but for not a really good reason. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, okay, well, um, I think uh, I think we've made it to number fifteen. We've made it halfway on this giant ultimate Confederacy of Dunks coach ranking list. Uh, the six-part edition of this podcast. That you <laughs> that's right, uh, Duncan. What what say you? Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the bottom 15 of our special Coaches Ranking episode. If you're wearing a shirt, tuck it in. Stay tuned tomorrow for part two, the top 15 in our Coaches Rankings.